All right, all right. Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible. We're looking in Acts chapter number 14. Acts chapter number 14. We're going to do a brief review of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 and 14 covers uh, Paul's first missionary journey. All right, say that with me. It covers his... His first missionary journey, okay? And, and so I want to go back and, and we'll briefly, throughout the lesson, we'll briefly review chapter 13 and then we'll go into chapter 14 because we want them to go together. We want you to know the whole, uh, the whole missionary journey is, is comprised in those two chapters, 13 and 14. If you're with me, say amen. amen. All right, let's do this. Let's just read a few verses. Let's read down to about verse 7. And, uh, and then I'll let you sit down so you don't have to be staying in the whole time. We're, I want to read the whole chapter because it's not very many verses. Uh, but let's, let's do that tonight. You glad to be saved? Yeah. All right. All right. Chapter 14, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude both of the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was what? Divided. divided. The gospel will do that. The gospel will divide people. The gospel doesn't always unite people. The gospel divides people. It'll divide families. It'll divide friends. It'll divide acquaintances. It'll, it'll divide even churches. When the gospel's being preached in the right way. And when there was an assault, let me back up, let me back up. Where'd I stop? Four. And part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lies round about. And there they preach the gospel. Say that with me. And there they preach the, the gospel. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Lord, it is so so, so wonderful and, and, and such an honor to be able to have your word and to study it and to learn it. And Lord, the last few months, you've just been pouring it on us and, and, and allowing us to, to just sit in your lap for a little while and hear from directly from you. And I pray tonight won't be any different. Lord, I pray that you'll move in our hearts, speak to us, change us, edify us, encourage us, convict us, challenge us. Lord, help us to be better disciples and followers of the Lord Jesus uh, today than we were yesterday and even more tomorrow than we were today. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's just continue reading. Let's continue reading uh, and we'll find out the second half of his, his uh, missionary journey here. It says, and there sat a certain man, now he is in Lystra, and by the way, this is where Timothy is from. Uh, uh, Timothy, this is his hometown, him and his mother and grandmother, uh, so this is, this is where he met him, and Paul will make it back here two more times, uh, but we see here, there was a man there that was impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. So what are, what are they calling Paul and Barnabas? They said, you're a, you're a God. Oh, be careful when people brag on you because <clears throat> things can change quickly. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was uh, the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before the city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes, ran in among the people, crying out, saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea. 
and all things that are therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in there. In other words, he's saying that God was patient with nations, but now he's calling them to repent. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our hearts and food with gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. I mean, what it's saying, Paul and Barnabas could barely keep these people from treating them like a God. Are y'all with me? Now watch. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, the same people. Are y'all asleep? Do y'all see this? The same people who were saying, you're a God, you're a God, we want to worship you. All they did was hear criticism from somebody else and now they stoned him. Be careful who the praise, the people that's patting you on the back, they got a rock behind their back. Amen. They stoned him. And drew him out of the city, supposing he'd been dead. They thought they killed him. Howbeit, as the disciples stood up round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the ne- you know what? You can't keep a good man down. <clears throat> and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had, boy, Paul would know something about that, right? right? Much tribulation, difficulty, hardships. It says, and when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Attalia and thence sailed to Antioch. From whence they had been, now they're back to where they were sent out. And then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come in and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. And now how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. So if we go back, if we go back to chapter 13. We start in Antioch. At the end of chapter 14, we end in Antioch. Does everybody see that? And remember, there's two different Antiochs. The first is where they came from, which is Antioch of Syria. Say that with me. Antioch of Syria. Syria. They take it, and and, and this is how we're going to do this. If you'll look on your notes, if you'll look on your notes, you'll see a page in the back. Look Look on the back. See those lines? That is completely up to your discretion. If you don't want to worry about them lines, just sit there and listen. If you want to write what I say, you can write what I say or, or whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, the, the, the words will be here that I left blank. So you can just fill them out and just listen if you want to. It just, it just depends on you. I just wanted you to give uh, some extra space in case you wanted to write some of this down. So what we're going to do is we're going to take each city that Paul landed in. Now, now just to make a... I don't want to say a long story short because we're going to take our whole hour. Say amen, Pox. Whole hour. Amen. We're going to go to each city and just kind of briefly say what happened in those cities. Because this is what happened. Paul leaves Antioch and he goes and as he's traveling and he stops in each of these cities... He begins to minister, and he's, he, he, and we'll see what he does in each one. He preaches the gospel in each one. He sees people saved, and then he would move on to another city. And you'll see uh, uh, over and over again, he would do his thing, and then he would move on. He would do his thing and come on, everybody, and then move on. And he goes all the way around, all the way around until we get to, I believe it's Derby. And then he turns around and then comes all the way back. Are y'all with me? Because, because it's not enough to win somebody to Christ. We need to follow up. And that's, I think, honestly, I truly believe that is the greatest mistake that the church in America has done uh, when it comes to the Great Commission is we've won people to Christ, but we didn't follow through. Now, here's, let's look at our map. <clears throat> let's look at our map. All right, here's, everybody, y'all see the little red thing? 
All right, this is Antioch of Syria. This is where we began, chapter 13, okay? Uh, we came down to the coast. We sailed from the coast to Cyprus. Now, why did we sail to Cyprus? Because that's where Barnabas was from, okay? They went somewhere familiar first, all right? Does everybody understand that? Say amen. All right, now, they worked their way. They worked their way across the island of Cyprus to Paphos, all right? Then, now, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Let's just, I'm, I'm gonna get ahead of myself. Let's do this. Antioch, if you're on the front or the back, it, it doesn't matter, however you wanna do it, put beside the word Antioch, delegation. There was delegation. Right here, right here in Antioch of Syria, this is where, this is where uh, uh, the, the headquarters of the church ended up. You remember we said it started in Jerusalem first. And, and Peter was the main character. But now it's in Antioch and most of the, the, the activity of the New Testament church takes place from there and it spreads out from there, especially the missionary endeavors and efforts, all right? And so, so right here, right here is Antioch of Syria. Paul and Barnabas is there and they're serving and they're working and they're teaching and, 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 and man, they're ministering unto the Lord. They're being, what, what's that? They're being faithful. Say with me, they're being faithful faithful. God will always pick someone who is Paul told Timothy, look for somebody that is faithful. If you're not faithful in the little, you won't be faithful in the much. Don't ask God to give you much if you're not faithful in the little. And all God's people say it. So here they are serving, working, and now they come to the coast and they sail to Cyprus. They end up in Salamis. And the Bible says that they, they, they preach there, but Luke really doesn't go into detail. He doesn't, that's all he says about it. So I left that one blank. If you want to kind of like put Salamis in between, uh, if you want to put it between Antioch of Syria and Paphos, that's fine. But he didn't really say much about it. So we just left it that way. Okay. And they work their way around the island to Paphos. Paphos is the capital of Cyprus. All right. I wrote that down. I wrote that down in my notes right here. I wrote that down in my notes right here. Uh, Paphos is the capital of Cyprus. This is where the chief Roman official lived, Sergius Paulus. Okay, Sergius Paulus. <clears throat> Paul here at Paphos. Paul struck a false prophet blind who was trying to keep the governor from salvation. If y'all remember, his name was Bar Jesus. He was a Jew who was a false prophet and he was doing everything he could to keep this Roman governor from getting saved. Paul got enough of it and he, he, he struck him with blindness. All right. Now, here in, in Paphos, we see at the very end of the ministry when he struck him blind and began teaching and preaching, the governor was saved. Say amen. So, so it was a successful trip. They had converts. They preached the gospel. They had converts. People believed in Christ. All right. Now, after they preached, they seen the work done. What, what was the two words we said? And he, everybody say it. He moved on. He moved on. All right. So they sailed from Paphos all the way to Perga. All right. Now. Here, the only thing that we have written, and it's in chapter 13, verse 13, the only thing we find, oh, I forgot to give you your word, okay? Antioch of Syria, there was delegation. In Paphos, there was deception. There was deception. Bar-Jesus was trying to deceive Sergius Paulus and keep him from being saved, right? False prophet. And God dealt with that situation. But here in Perga, we have desertion. John Mark deserted him. John Mark was the nephew of Barnabas. Y'all remember? It's basically Paul and Barnabas. They have been called out of the church to go. They're ministry partners. They're working together. And Barnabas brings his nephew to tag along and to help them and be their assistant, if you will. This is Barnabas' sister's son. And as they're on the ministry trail, he stuck with them all the way to here. And... and I read all kinds of things of, of why he did it. You know, some said he was homesick. Uh, uh, some said he didn't like the fact that pa Paul is really taking the lead role instead of Barnabas, you know, because Barnabas originally uh, was a leader. And, 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 and some said that he was afraid because if you'll remember, they're fixing to go from Perga up into Antioch, Poseidon, and they have to go through the mountains and it's really, really dangerous. We talked about that last week. Uh, there were bands of robbers and all that kind of thing. They said he was just a scaredy cat and wanted to go home. Now, here's the thing. 
The Bible doesn't say why he did it. Okay, so really it's irrelevant. The only thing we know is that he did do it. He deserted him. He, and, and it was a big deal to Paul because Barnabas wanted to take uh, uh, John Mark again. And, and it was such a big deal to Paul. He said, no, we're not doing that. He done bailed on us one time. And that's not going to happen. But thank God, in the end, Paul seen him to be profitable for the ministry. Amen? But here, here in Perga, we find desertion. People will walk out on you. All right? Now, so we travel. We travel from Perga up to Antioch and Poseidon. All this is in chapter 13. Okay, in Antioch and Poseidon, we find disputation, arguing, fighting. All right? Antioch of Syria, delegation. Paphos, we find deception. Perga, we find desertion. They walked out of ministry. John Mark went back to Jerusalem. In Antioch of Poseidon, we find disputation. They're up in the mountains, 3,600 feet. All right? Uh, he preached. This is, this is really cool. This is when he went into the synagogue and he preached. And they said, man, you got to come back next week and preach. And word got around about the message and, and how, how these, these new rabbis had come and preached. And, and the next Sunday, what happened? Anybody remember? The, say it again. The whole city came out. The whole city came out. I mean, and, and, and it was primarily Gentiles. So we got a great number of Gentiles coming out to a Jewish synagogue to hear this new message. So what do you think that did with the old line Jews? They didn't like it. They didn't like it. Envy, jealousy. Uh, man, they got upset. They were, they were, they were mad about this. And, and so they begin to stir up problems and stir up strife and, and, and cause really, really big issues. And they begin to dispute with Paul and Barnabas and they be, <coughs> begin to talk against his teaching and they stirred up the, the, the unbelievers. They stirred up the Gentiles <coughs> and Paul told him, said, look, Hey, we came to you first because it was necessary for us to come to you. But since you've decided to reject it, now we go to the Gentiles. How did the Gentiles feel about that? Come on. They were excited. Woohoo! We're all about that. Amen. Because you, you got to think, in most of Judaism, the Gentiles were always left out. They were always treated, you know, in, in a bad way. The Gentiles were, were excited about their salvation. Now... Uh, then we see they expelled them out of their coast. They kicked them out. They kicked them out. Now, what did Paul and Barnabas do? Y'all remember? Man, y'all got a bad memory. It only been a week, people. What did he do with the dust? Shake the dust off, right? What does that mean? Listen, when you get criticism, just... When people don't like the way you minister, just... And listen, after they shook the dust off, then they, come on now, they moved on, moved on, amen. Tell your, tell your critics, keep cussing, I'm moving on, amen. Now here's the thing, if you can't deal with a little criticism, if you can't deal with a little op opposition, you, 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 you might as well quit now. Because you're never going to make it, and this doesn't, listen, this isn't just about church, this isn't just about ministry. If you lead anything, it doesn't matter if it's a church or a company, somebody is not going to like a decision you make. And if you try to lead a company, an organization, a church, a ministry, and you try to go by what people think, you're going to blow your brains out. Because you're going to be tossed to and fro with everybody's opinion and everybody's thoughts. Because if you do this, you make them mad. Well, if you do that, then you make them mad. You know what you got to do? You got to hook up with Jesus and do what he tells you and the rest can lump it. Are y'all with me? Shake the dust off. Move on. Brother McCormick, Brother McCormick, man, he, he, he's an awesome guy. Awesome guy. He's got a lot of wisdom. And he said, Malcolm, move with the movers. He said, the rest will catch up. Just move with them. Sometimes you can't listen to criticism. Just move with the ones willing to move and just keep on moving. They'll catch up sooner or later. How many of y'all ever, how many of y'all ever, uh, <laughs> when, when you was a little kid and, and maybe in the dark 
and, and, and you, you had a little crowd with you and, and you're going, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And then everybody leaves and they're left in the dark. You know what they do? Hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. That's the same thing in ministry. They may whine all the way till they get there, but they'll come. They'll come. Hey. Amen. Now, let's get into chapter 14. Chapter 14. Now we come to Iconium. Now we come to Iconium. Now we have division. Now we have division. We said delegation, deception, desertion, disputation, and division. What happens? What happens? Paul preaches. Paul preaches, and the gospel does its thing like it always does. I hate using the term separate the men from the boys, but it'll really really call the, the flock. Because there's a lot of people that's religious, but the gospel will cut you to the core. When you're preaching, when you're preaching the word, the Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it's able to cut. I mean, it, it's able to divide, go in deep where religion came, and it'll separate. And the Bible says the whole city. Now, now the crazy thing is, when he first preached, man, there was a bunch that got saved. There were many that believed of Jews and Gentiles. And this was great, man. Everything's going wonderful. But it divided the whole city. It divided the whole city. Many were saved, but the city was split. And the Bible says they stayed as long as they could, a long time, boldly. Boldly. They, They stayed as long as they could. And when they realized that they were fixing to be killed, they moved on. They moved on at the threat of being stoned. Now, here's the key to that, too. Uh, When you hear the word stoning, always understand this and remember this, that it was Jewish opposition then. Because stoning was the Jews' way of execution. Okay? The Romans, they'd hang you on a cross. They'd crucify you. They'd uh, 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 flog you. But this, if if they're attempting to stone somebody, always know that that was Jews doing that. And, and... Not only that, it was usually for the purpose of blasphemy. So this was what they were thinking was happening. This was the accusation against them. Stoning was the, was the punishment for blasphemy. So does everybody understand that? Say amen. So it really wasn't, Paul and Barnabas really wasn't having as much issue with the Gentiles as much as they were the religious Jews. And that's huge. That's huge. I'm, I'm telling you guys, this is, this, is how, this is how dangerous religion is. I, and and I, I think I said this last week, no, no drunks or, or, or alcoholics, drug addicts, I've never had any of them have any problem with what we do at Temple. The only people I have ever seen criticize Temple or, or, or put up a fuss or say something critical has always been church people. And this is what they're struggling with. This is what they're dealing with. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Tradition and religion will blind you. It will blind you terribly. Blind you terribly, terribly. All right? So here we are. We're in Iconium. We're preaching. People's getting saved. God is blessing. God is moving. The the whole city ends up split. Some with the apostles and some with the unbelieving Jews. And so they decide we're just going to, we're just going to stone them. We're going to, we're going to capture them and stone them and they escape. So they, 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 at the, at the threat of being stoned, they decided to move on. All right. Now they end up in Lystra, 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 however you want to say it. And here we have delusion. This is what we read tonight. This is what we read tonight. Here we have delusion. So let, let me, let me kind of lay it out what happens. And, and we kind of talked about it. When they get to this city, when they get to this city, uh, uh, we have a man that's crippled. And Paul heals him. This man's never been able to walk. He's been, he's been crippled from, from birth. And Paul heals him. And the people see it. The people see it. Now, what causes them, what causes them to do what they did? 
What caused them to do what they did? They began to call them gods. One, one Jupiter and the other, what was the other one? Mercurius, which is Zeus and Hermes. All right. Uh, Mercurius or Hermes, that was, that was the messenger of the gods. And so that's what they call Paul because he was the main spokesman. But this is what happened. Folklore. Old folklore in this particular city was that, that Zeus and Hermes came before. And they came in and, and, and incognito in the city. And nobody would have anything to do with them. And they went into this man and woman's house who welcomed them and took them in and showed hospitality. And so they sent a flood to kill everybody else. And then turned this, this man and wife's house into a palace, into a mansion. And that was the old folklore. That the, the gods came down and walked among men. And, and because of the way they treated them, they were destroyed because of it. So they were thinking, this ain't going to happen again. So all their, all their, their, their old tradition, old folklore is we're going to make sure this doesn't happen to us again. You know, this is, this is, here it is again. Because of what Paul did, they misunderstood what was happening. Because of old tradition and old religion. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Paul heals them and they're speaking in the tongue of that particular area. So Paul and Barnabas, they're like, they don't really know what's going on. All they hear is kind of like, it was kind of like me uh, 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 Sunday. I was there and, 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 and Diego come up and he testified and he kept testifying. He'd look at me and I'd look at him and everybody's nodding their head and some of them tearing up. I don't have a clue what he said. And, 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 and he, he, he was testifying. Thank God he told me. Amen. He, he, he shared with me what he said. And, uh, but Paul and them don't really know what's going on. And then they realize what's happening. They're thinking we're a God. And they're, they're fixing a sacrifice to us. And here's what happens. They run in and they, they tear their coats, which is a sign of grief and agony. And they say, what are you doing? Stop. Stop. Now, let me say this. How do I say this? There's a lot of Christian celebrities today. There's, there's a lot of, there's a, and I say a lot, there, there are several from, from the movement that I came from. Uh, if you have somebody that's got a lot of charisma and a lot of speaking skills and they can really hold the attention of, of an audience and, and, and they're really good people, people, you know what I'm saying? They just kind of attract, they just, they're just good with what, it's easy for people and they don't know they're doing it, but they begin to worship these guys. Man, they'll brag and they'll talk and they'll do everything. And they, and they, they all but bow down to them. And here's the thing. There's no celebrities in Christianity but Jesus. There is no celebrities in Christianity but Jesus. You know, Paul and Barnabas could have very well just sat there and soaked it all up. But then they show, and I know that's possible because I've seen it happen. And then people get too big for their britches and they walk around snooty and they don't have. I, I, when I was growing up as a kid, my, my parents are right here. When I was growing up a kid, and you got to know this, you got to know this, I hope you do, but kids see a whole lot more than you think. And when I was growing up as a kid, I, I, I watched, I watched, and, and you can ask them, you know, most kids, most kids would be out in the parking lot or out on the playground and all goofing off playing or whatever, not me. I mean, if we had, if we had camp meeting or if we had revivals or we had fellowships, dinner on the grounds, listen, the, 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 the kids would all be out on the playground and the, and the preachers would be in the fellowship hall around food. That's normal, say, man. And I'd be all in amongst them. I'm telling you, even as a little kid, even as a little kid, God put something in me. And man, I loved listening to the stories and listening to the, 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 the things that God had done in ministry and, and all the things that were shared, how God blessed this ministry and God built this. And these people got saved. Even as a little kid, man, I was all inside and listening to all that. Just mesmerized. I didn't have, I didn't have sports heroes and I didn't have posters on my wall. Man, I just love preachers. They were my heroes. Some. And I'm telling you, 
There was a time when I would see some, I said, if God ever calls me to preach, I ain't going to be like that one. And it wasn't, it wasn't because he was a bad preacher, but he didn't have time for me. And it was that he's here and everybody else is here. I thought. And it wasn't, it wasn't, and I understand busy schedule. That's not what, dear God knows I understand that today. I, I, I'm supposed to back down and back away from a lot of stuff and with our microchurches going now, I think I've added more stuff now, and, and I'm, I'm working on that. So don't get mad at me and say, well, right, Bridget, I'm, I'm working on it. They, we, we, it's all good. Say so, amen. But I, I know about busy schedules. That's, I'm not meaning time-wise. I'm meaning I'm too good for you. Or I'm important. Listen, I promise you, I promise you, any married couple in here, me and my wife argue just as much as you do. How about it, babe? Got amen right there? First amen all night. We'll argue about that when we get home. We have issues. You know what Paul's saying? What are you doing? We're men of like passions as you. We're just like you. There's nothing. Hey, knock it off. Knock it off. Boy, it was all they could do to restrain them. Because of superstition. And man, I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a cool deal. Because if there was anybody, if there was a Christian celebrity, Paul would have to be one of them. But he was the first to say, look, we're just a man. We're just a man. I got problems just like you do. I got issues just like you do. We're, we're on the same level here, pal. Knock it off. Now, what can we take from this and learn from this? In one moment, they're bragging on him. They're gods. And in the very next moment, because of something somebody else said, they stone him. I mean, literally, stone him and think they killed him. And they were so disgusted with him, they just carried him out and dumped him outside the city. Man, be careful. Be careful, because you're a celebrity one minute and you're a devil the next. And by the way, this ain't the first time that happened to Paul. We're going to read later on in the book of Acts where he come in out of a shipwreck and he's building a fire to try to help people and warm them up and a snake comes out and bites him. And everybody's like, oh, oh, he's a devil. He's a devil. He's a devil because that that storm didn't get him, but God made sure the snake did. And the Bible said he shook it off and there was no hurt. And this was a poisonous viper. And everybody was saying, he's a devil, he's a devil. And then I was saying, he's a God, he's a God. Listen, when people brag on you or when people criticize you, don't listen. Because you're not as bad as what they say and you're not as good as what they say. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I'll move on. Moving on, moving on. We just love that point. Just move on, amen. All right, church, say amen. Listen, I like, I like this part. This stood out to me. This stood out to me. When they stoned him, when they stoned him, verse 19, it says, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium and persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Verse 20, verse 20. Do we have that? Verse 20. How be it, as the disciples stood round about him, he what? He rose up. Now the rising up ain't the cool part. It's that his friends stay with him. Sometimes, sometimes, listen, you're going to have people. Travis, let me focus on you because you're, you're, you're more in ministry than probably anybody in the building. You're going to have people brag on you. And you're going to have people say, whoo, what a message. Oh, my stars. I hadn't heard a message like that, dear God. And it's probably the outline I gave you <clears throat> when they say that. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And they're going to do all that kind of thing. But that's not who you need around you. It's the people that will stay with you 
after you've been beat up. Because them people that's with you in the highs, for some reason, you can't hardly find them in the lows. But if you ever have somebody that when you come back to consciousness and your eye, the swelling goes down long enough where you can see and they're still with you, that's the ones you better hang with. Y'all with me? They stood with him. We've had some ups and downs at Temple. And we have people that come during the highs. And they like all the whoo. But I like the people that stayed when the other families left and said we was going to go bankrupt. I like the people that stayed when they said that preacher's too young and he's making too many mistakes. But they stayed. That's the ones that will hang with you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now look, now look. Let's hurry, let's hurry. Oh yeah, we got it, we got it. I was told we won't finish, but I'm going to prove him wrong. Listen, Paul recovers, he gets up, goes back into the city, and the next day, what's he do? They move on. They move on. Now you got to understand too, now, when you've had rocks thrown at you to the point they think you're dead, now you kind of sore the next day. Let's don't spiritualize all this. This is the real deal. He's probably got bruises all over the place. His eyes probably swole shut. But he gets up and he just... We need to take something from that. Move on. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. How many of y'all have figured out this, that when you get still, you get stiff? There was a day, there was a day when I could not wait to get done with work. I could not wait for it to get dark because I could get my dogs, put them in my truck, and get to the woods and go coon hunting. Now, now, if I ever sit down in my recliner before dark, It's over. You got to just keep moving. What has that got to do with ministry? Some of you got tired and you've, you've stopped. Or you've gotten still. Or you are taking a break. Best thing you can do is to just keep. Because if you don't, You'll stop. You won't be breaking. You'll be quitting. Paul understood that. He just kept moving on. You know why I think he did that? He knew his time was limited. Paul said, I got to get done what I can get done while I can get it done. Amen? Then let's look at Derby. There was delusion in Lystra. And then there was dedication in Derby. Now let's look at our map. Let's look at our map. There's not really much said. There's not really much said about Derby. It basically just says he preached the gospel and made disciples. All right, it says he taught many, and the word taught is the same word that's used in the Great Commission. Remember? Go ye not Matthew chapter 28, go ye in all the world, teach all nations. That word teach, it's the same word. It means make disciples. Say that with me. It means. So when he got to Derby, he preached the gospel and made disciples. Help me with this. He. Okay, come on, people. He. And all right, so here's here's I, I was supposed to follow this, and and I forgot. So here's Antioch. We go to Salamis. Come around the island. Here's the here's the the capital of Cyprus. The Roman governor, he gets saved. So now we go up to Perga. Now this is the area where Paul is from. Now why do we come to Cyprus? Who 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 was from there? Barnabas. Barnabas. Now we're going to where who's from? Paul is from. Okay. So and then we go up 3,600 feet into the mountains and go to Antioch, Poseidon. Then we, we flee. Now we run out of here, remember, because they're going to stone us. They're going to stone us. So we flee from there. We, we sneak out and we go down to uh, 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 Lystra. No, Iconium. Excuse me. Iconium. All right. This is, this is, this is it, it, we, we are at a place 
we are at a place where we sneak out again. So each place we've gone, we just move on. Come on, move on. Here in Antioch, excuse me, they expelled them. They expelled them. I got kind of ahead of myself. In Antioch of Bethsaida, they expelled them. And that's where they shook the dust off. Are y'all with me? They come out of Antioch, went to Iconium. And that's where they, uh, 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 that's where they threatened to kill them. They was going, they was going to rush them, a mob rush. And they escaped out of Iconium and down to Lystra. And that's where he got stoned. That's where he got stoned. Okay. But now he moves on and comes to Derby. Okay. Right there, right there, we find that he preaches the gospel and makes disciples. Say that with me. He. Now, now, is everybody familiar now with the cities and what they did in the cities? Everybody good with that? All right, before we go on to the next thing. Now, so what does he do now? He goes back through. He goes back through. What's the point of that? Follow up and follow through. Say that with me. Two things. Say it again. Follow up and follow through. So now turn your paper over. Turn your paper over. And let's, let's look at the front outline. All right? Here's some things. Number one, we see the path that they faced. And we covered that already. I don't know if they put that on the screen, but that's the point. The path that they faced. This is the path they went. We, we covered every city that they came to. Okay? Then I want you to see number two. Number two, the pattern they found. The pattern they found in every one of these cities, in every one of these cities, there was basically two things that that happened every single time, almost, almost every single time. First, they found great opportunity. Write that down. They found great opportunity. Paul even spoke about in Corinth that he said, there's a great door and effectual open unto me. And the word effectual goes together with that. What Paul is saying, there is a great opportunity for me to have an effective ministry. All right? So there's great opportunity. Say that with me. Everybody say it. So wherever he landed, he found what? Now, how do we apply that to us today? Wherever you go, wherever God takes you, wherever Holy Spirit leads you, he's going to lead you to... You're going to find great opportunity at school. You're going to find great opportunity at work. You're going to find great opportunity in Philippines. You're going to find great opportunity in Chattanooga at the truck stop. Dad, mom, you're going to find great opportunity down on the way to Florida, at the funeral in Florida, maybe on your way back. Wherever you are, wherever the Lord takes you, Dairy Queen, if you're at Dairy Queen, listen, if you're at Walmart, when you go to Walmart, no matter where it is, there is great opportunity. If you don't believe me, I challenge you. Go to Walmart and sit at the bench inside and watch. If you don't find an opportunity to see a sinner, I'll eat your socks. How many of y'all are with me? And you know what we're doing? This is what God's children are doing. And it's sad because we're losing this thing. We're walking around everywhere with blinders on. We're so focused on our own issues. We're so focused on our own agendas that we don't see the people around us. We don't see the opportunities. Now, why is this such a big deal? And by the way, by the way, don't, don't get all tore up about that, which you're probably not anyway, but don't get so tore up about it. You're in good company because the disciples had the same problem. How many of y'all remember when, when Jesus went to the well? Remember, Samaritan woman, I believe it's John 4. Went to the well, sent the disciples into the city to get something to eat, right? They were hungry. He was weary, but he had plans. He had plans. The Holy Spirit, he said, I must needs go to Samaria. How would he know that? Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he's filled with the Holy Spirit, means he's influenced or led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit specifically led him to go through Samaria, not around Samaria on each side, which they would normally go, but to go through Samaria, stop at that specific well. Somebody say amen. This was the third well out of the city. There were two more wells closer to the city. So he comes to a place that this woman thinks is going to have nobody there. And here she shows up. And guess what? Jesus takes advantage of an opportunity. And after this woman gets saved, she leaves her pot because she's done got the well. Say amen. She goes back to the city and passes, passes the disciples on the way. 
You say, how do you know she passes the disciples? Because they're on their way back and they saw Jesus talking to her. And they were wondering why. What, 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 what is this? Why is Jesus talking to this woman? But they don't say nothing because it's Jesus. And they come up and they pass her. She goes past. She, watch this now. She goes to the very place they just left. And when she gets to where they just left, she goes and tells everybody, hey, 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 let me tell you a man who's done told me everything I ever did. This is the Messiah. You got to come and see him. And you know what happened? They come to see him. And they're, listen, she, oh, y'all not getting it. <clears throat> She's bringing the village. She's bringing the city out. Now they're having a conversation. They're having a conversation with Jesus. And, 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 and they try to give him his sandwich. They've got the food. They say, here, we brought you something to eat. He said, I have, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And this is what they said. Who brought him something? They had no idea. He was talking spiritually. Right? And they're, they're, they're trying to figure this out. And he said, boys, look up. Say it with me. Look up. Look at the fields. You know what? I don't believe he was talking about the wheat. I believe he was pointing to that crowd coming out of the village. Being led by that. Look at the, they're wide in the harvest. This is what he says. Go read it. He says, I sent you where somebody else labored. You know what he's saying? Somebody done uh, 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 plowed and planted. All you had to do was pluck. And you didn't do anything. You know why? All they could see was their agenda. All they could see was their need. All they could understand was their schedule. We got to get something to eat. Didn't matter that everybody's going to hell around them. Didn't matter that all the people around them needed the Messiah. They could not see that there was a great opportunity. But she did. She did. You know, it's, it's sad that these, these disciples have been walking with Jesus all this time. And they couldn't see it. Yep, 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 yep. Church, say amen. I don't know who I could witness to. Are you kidding me? There's 80,000 people in Coleman County, and you can't find somebody to witness to? I'm going to challenge you. Matter of fact, I'm going to sick the Holy Ghost on you. I'm going to pray that God lets you run into so many sinners this week. By next Wednesday, you're going to say, please tell them, don't let me run into no more. Are you going to take advantage of it? What am I supposed to do? Tell them who Jesus is. I don't know the gospel. Well, tell them your story. Tell them what Jesus did for you. That's what the demoniac did. Jesus said, just go tell them what I've done for you. He didn't go to one single night of Bible college. He didn't have one hour of Bible study. He just had an experience with Jesus. That's all you need. You may tell you why most people don't share their story? Because they ain't got one. Some of y'all don't need to go share your story. Some of y'all need to, at this invitation, you need to come up here and get saved. And then you can go share your story. Amen. I'm just going to leave it right there. Great opportunity. Man, everywhere Paul went, there was great opportunity. I'm going to say this. When the buzzard gets up in the morning, he stretches and then he flies off and he'll find some roadkill. Or he'll find a, a dead calf. Or a possum that wasn't quite fast enough. Rotten. Y'all with me? 
listen, I know I got country people in here. Quit acting like y'all city folk. Do y'all not know what a buzzard is? All right. How many of y'all seen a buzzard? Come on, let me see. Okay, all right, just make it sure. You know what? A, a hummingbird. A hummingbird will wake up. You know he's smaller than a buzzard. Come on, Terry, that's funny. You know it is. And it'll fly off, and you know what it'll find? Flowers and nectar and pollen and and all the sweet stuff. Now, why do you reckon a buzzard will find a rotten possum? But a hummingbird will find that sweet nectar in the flowers. They find what they are. You may tell you why some people are finding opportunities and some ain't. You ain't looking for them. I'm going to have to tell you what Jesus said. Lift up your Amen. Okay, that's enough. So, everywhere they went, there was a pattern that they found. Everywhere they went, Paul found great opportunity. Come on, say it with me. I'll hurry. They found great opportunity. But, unfortunately, they found great opposition. They found great opposition. Say that with me. They found great opposition. Everywhere they went, man, people started getting saved and people started believing and whole crowds come out and, 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 and man, that's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that, and I wish that's all we had to talk about. I wish we could just say that all the time. I wish in the 20 years that I've been here, I could just tell you everything's been peaches and cream and, and, and roses and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but it's just not true. Because anytime you do something for God of any significance whatsoever, you're going to have opposition. I'm talking about recently. I'm not just talking about back in the day. I mean, it's constant. It's never ending. It never stops. Now, here's the thing. You got you to expect that. You got to expect that. You got to know that the devil's going to do that. He's not going to fight against somebody that's not a threat to him. And if you become a threat to him, well, I, I don't know if I want to I be a threat to him. Oh, the rewards are so great. The opposition doesn't even come close to pairing up with the blessing. Paul even said it this way. And this is where we know Paul was a redneck. He said, for I reckon. King James Bible. Y'all with me? I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that, you know what he's basically saying? It's going to be worth it. This is coming from a man that was stoned, left for dead. He was beaten with rods on multiple times, had, had so many lashes you can't hardly count them, went through shipwreck and everything and threatening of his life. He went through hunger and cold and nakedness and peril and, and danger everywhere he turned and ended up executed. But he said, it's going to be worth it. When it's all said and done, preacher, what's the point? Don't let a little opposition stop you. You just got to keep. If they try to stop you here, just keep moving on. Moving on. Listen, don't stop. I heard this said, it's always too soon to quit. Say it with me. Say it again. All right. Number three. Number three. What was number one? Let's rehearse. Number one. Everybody say it. All right. The path they faced. Number two. The pattern they found. A pattern of great. Come on, everybody. A pattern of great. And a pattern of great. Opposition. Number three, I want you to see the process they followed. The process they followed. And this will be quick. We're not going to be long here. The process they followed. Paul would always start in a city. Paul would always start in a city. And that's important. Uh, it's very difficult for poor people to reach rich people. 
But it's easy for rich people to reach poor people because they have resources. Y'all with me? And it's even said this way, poor people will go to a, a, a rich church, but usually rich people don't go to a poor church. And that's why they would always target cities. Paul could go into a city and then work out of the city. And not only that, a city was where, who was that? The people. I mean, that's where the majority of the people, I would rather fish in a stock pond. Say amen. Amen. So he would go to a city. They would target cities. If you'll notice throughout there, he would go to the main cities, the big cities, and he would start there. Okay. So he'd started a city. Then B, B, he would always go to the synagogue. He would always find a synagogue. If there was a synagogue in that city and there's multiple reasons. One, the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul had a, a great desire to see his brethren saved. He wanted to see the Jews. I know he was the apostle to the Gentiles, but man, he loved his fellow man. He loved the Jews. He said, Paul said this, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel. My, my prayer and heart's desire for Israel is that they might be say so man he had a heart for him. but he was strategic in this because he could start with the scriptures and you're going to find a pattern here you're going to find a pattern even in chapter number 14 you'll find out that when he would go in the synagogues he'd start talking about abraham isaac and jacob and he'd talk about the messiah coming through the line of david what was he doing using old testament scriptures because in the synagogue they were already what familiar with those so it was easier to start there, all right? But then when he had Gentiles, he would talk about the God of heaven and earth who created. You see, they're not familiar with the scriptures, but they're familiar with creation. They're familiar with the sun, moon, and the stars, and they're familiar with the oceans and the mountains. So he would start where they were, and they were familiar with in, the, in their understandings. that make sense? So he would find the synagogue first. I think it's easy pickings, okay? They were more familiar with the scriptures. He could go into it, begin to tell them, and then from there he could work out and reach the, the, the Gentiles also. Because in most synagogues, there were Gentiles there too who had begin, become uh, Jewish proselytes and converts to Judaism. If that makes sense, say amen. Now, then he would preach the gospel, okay? He would preach the gospel. Travis, I don't care how many meals you serve. If you don't preach the gospel, you're fired. I don't, I don't care how many wells you dig. If you don't preach the gospel, you're wasting your time. It doesn't matter how many jackets we put on somebody. It doesn't matter how many birth certificates we get made. None of that matters if we don't preach the gospel. And he knows that. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm not, I'm, I'm, he knows I'm, I'm just trying to make a point. Listen, it's about the gospel. Everywhere he went, he preached the gospel. That was first, that was primary, that was central to his whole ministry, preaching the gospel. He said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Then he, then he said, I think it's in Romans 1, he said, I am ready. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, right? It's all about the gospel, we have to centralize on the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the truth of salvation, that, that man is a sinner and God is a savior. He sent Jesus, he died, he, listen, was put in the tomb three days, he rose again, and he'll save you if you ask him. Say amen. We need to preach the gospel in our churches. We need to preach the gospel in the micro churches, everywhere, all over town. We need to share the gospel. Say amen. amen. Then, then, was it? See? See? D? Okay. Move on. What are we, D? Okay. That's where we're going, right? Okay. So he started in a city, found a synagogue, he preached the gospel, then he made disciples. D, made disciples. It said when he preached the gospel, this is in verse 22. Well, actually verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. Taught, remember I said that's the same word used in the Great Commission. Go ye and teach all nations. It's the word that means make disciples. So we want to we preach the gospel, but we want to make disciples. The purpose of preaching the gospel is to make disciples. 
and, 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 and I don't have time because Dunn went into the red numbers, but, but making disciples is more than winning them to Christ. It's winning them to Christ and then teaching them to follow Christ. Does that make sense? All right. Then he organized churches. He organized churches. Now, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Write that down. And, and let me get my mat. Let me get my mat, Brother Chris. Okay. So here we go. Here we go from Antioch. We've made our route. All of these cities, all of these cities winning people to Christ. Preaching the gospel and winning people to Christ. Preaching the gospel and winning people to Christ. Now we're coming back. We're going to come back and visit them to do what? Confirm? Exhort, it's right there in the chapter. I don't have time to just look at it. I think it's, I don't know what verse it is, but it's right there. Is it, what, what was the one I just read? What's after Derby? <clears throat> look in uh, verse 22, verse 22. They're confirming, they're strengthening, which this word confirm means to strengthen. How did they do that? Teaching them the Bible, teaching them scripture. That's what we're doing tonight, by the way. I'm confirming you. I'm helping you. I'm strengthening you, reestablishing you. So he came back and he spent time with all those that had believed previously through his, through his missionary journey. And he's, he's encouraging them. The word exhort means to encourage. Why does he need to encourage? He said, because you're going to go through some stuff. He said, we through much tribulation shall enter into the kingdom. And by the way, Paul's preaching is way different than modern day preaching. Modern day preaching tells you, you're going to have your best life now. You're going to prosper. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have a new house. You're going to get a new car. Not Paul. Paul said, you're going to go through hell. You're going to go through difficulty. You're going to go through fire. You may lose everything. Hang in there. Exhort means to encourage. Hang in there. Persevere. Stick it out. Well, I tell you what, a lot of modern day professed Christians couldn't handle Paul's preaching. Then, then it says he ordained elders in every church. What did he do? He provided leaders. He provided leaders. Look what it says in that verse. Look at what it says in that verse I put underneath that point. He organized churches. In verse number, verse 23, it says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believe. Watch what it says in 2 Timothy. This is what Paul told Timothy to do at Ephesus. He said, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to Now here's the process. Here's the process. Paul, and, and it happened in Lystra. This is where he Paul met Timothy. So, so it's a possibility that Paul led Timothy to the Lord through the influence of his mother and grandmother because <coughs> he called him his own son in the faith and, and he taught, Paul taught him as much as he could know. All right, then he left him in Ephesus as one of the elders, the leaders there at the church at Ephesus. And he said, now you go do with those that you find faithful what I did for you. Does that make sense? And so that they can teach others also. Now let me apply this, let me apply this to modern day, what we're doing right now. We started Bondo Church. Y'all have heard me talk about that, and y'all are very familiar with that. So here we are. I go, I go to a group of men that is in a body shop, and, and we started with four. I think we had, I don't know, 17 or 18 uh, Monday night, but we started with four, and we started growing. What was I doing? Preaching the gospel, studying the Bible, sharing the Bible, sharing the Bible. We've had, I think, four saved already out of Bondo Church. Now, what am I going to do? I'm looking for leaders, for faithful men. I already have some being trained right now so that I can say, okay, guys, y'all keep it up. Y'all keep teaching. Matter of fact, they, they, I, I was gone for like five weeks in a row, and, and they had one saved while I was gone. It's already working. So what, what's going to happen? I'm going to turn them loose because they've showed themselves faithful. They're going to keep it up. They're going to keep teaching that Bible just like I showed them to do it. And they're going to keep getting saved. And we're going to go start. We already got it planned. We're going to start the import church. <clears throat> That's Bondo Church. And Lord's willing, if the Lord blesses and the Lord keeps leading that way, we're going we're to start a little micro church in an import uh, uh, a shop that works on import cars. And we may be speaking German. <clears throat> Or, or what? Anyway, y'all have no sense of humor whatsoever. That was funny. 
And what are we going to do? We're going to lead it and we're going to see it and we're going to teach and we're going to preach and we're going to see people saved. We're going to, we're going to uh, find somebody that's faithful and they're hanging with it. We're going to teach them how to do it. And then we're going to go, we're going to move on. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to do that all over Coleman. We're going to do it all over Coleman. And you know what I'm challenging you? Come help me. Come help me. Well, I don't think I can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. It don't take a rocket scientist. If you can read your Bible, you can do it. We started, we started, hey, I just signed up, I just signed up for Babel. What is Babel? Learn Spanish. All year. I got a year worth of classes. I just signed up for today. I don't have time for that. But I'm going to find out what they said about me standing beside me. <laughs> and I'm going to know more than, 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 than manos, manos, andale, andale. Right? I love them people. And I want to see them saved. And I want to see it grow. And you know what? We started in the chapel they gave us. And it was cool. We had 18 Tuesday. But I'm, ca- oh, I'm counting 20 because one was pregnant with twins. <clears throat> Say amen. amen. Listen, Dad, if dogs came to church, Dad would count them at Sunday. You know, we, we'll count them all. There is a husky running around. I might count 21. Amen. And you know what? I already got my eye on a couple that know enough English that I can train them. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start another one. Come help me. You tired of just being, going through the routine, just showing up, not having purpose in your life? Come help me. I promise you, it will change your life. I need some couples, husbands and wives, that are willing to open up your home and start a micro church. We've got micro churches for men and micro churches for women. But we need some for couples. Come help us. Ask the Lord to lead you. I'm going to ask God to put it on your heart. We want overtime, but you need to hear this. They're not all going to fit in here, guys. We've been called to reach Coleman. There's 80,000 people in Coleman. This is only a 1,700-seat auditorium. We can't fit them all in here. But guess what? If we go to where they are, We've got, we've got, we've got, help me. Help, Dustin in here anywhere? Help me. Somebody in DMD, tell me where we've got some. We've got, we've got some in, in nursing home. We've got some in, in uh, doctor's offices. We've got some in community centers. We've got some in, in, in a, 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 a body shop. We've got, anybody remember? We've got some in living rooms. Town hall, town hall. Just started one at West Point Town Hall. You can do this. We're going to have them everywhere. We're going to have them everywhere. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to make disciples. And we're going to organize micro churches. And then we're going to. We're going to reach Coleman. Then we're going to move on into Harsel. Then Decatur. Tennessee. Birmingham. Watch this. Until the uttermost parts of the earth. And all God's people see it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Help us as we.